0: turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, going to preach for a few moments here tonight on a great subject, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, and we'll take our title from the second phrase that is found in this passage of scripture, amen. Thank you for being in the house of God, this is a three-day weekend for some. Somebody said during meeting, great life is unfair because I'm working tomorrow, so it's not, but uh, some are out of town and, and what have you. And we certainly don't charge people that are trying to figure out how to get a few days of rest. But we are grateful and thankful for all the people in the house of God here to look around you. Look around you at somebody. Amen. Thank God that you're here in the house of God tonight. Amen. We're thankful for God's goodness and his greatness. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. And verse number four, but God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were in dead, in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy. That's what I want to preach for a few moments here tonight. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you that you bestow upon us kindness and goodness. And tonight, we are full and overflowing, recognizing what you have done when you do not have to do what you do. And we thank you for that, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can be seated rich in mercy. The scripture starts by saying, God, who is rich in mercy, wherewith his great love. He loved us. Amen. It is obvious that God loves us and reaches for us and responds to our human condition. Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together. He gave us opportunity to be quickened, to become alive, to arise in resurrection power, to come out of the dead situations that we were in. My, that's a testimony right there because we were in dead situations. Dead situations. The situations of decay and destruction and death. But God pulled us out, quickened us, gave us opportunity in the house of God to become alive. The scripture said we are lively stones. So we've come out of dead places into places that are alive because of the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And God elevated us to sit together in heavenly places. Now some people may look at that and say, well, I don't see what there is about heavenly places. I'm happy doing what I'm doing But I've come to preach to you and just tell you, we're in heavenly places because we feel the peace of God. Amen. I can lay my head on a pillow tonight and feel the peace of God. I'm in heavenly places because I feel the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm in heavenly places because I feel the hope that maketh not ashamed when the rest of the world has no hope. There is hope in the house of God. That's heavenly places. I don't have to worry about my future because my future is... Secure through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. There's a new birth experience. There's a church. There's a family of God. There's a kingdom of God. And I'm not of the kingdoms that are of this world, but I'm in something that is greater. And so I'm elevated. I'm sitting in heavenly places. That in the ages to come, that might be a testimony of God's mercy, His rich mercy to us. Now, what does that mean? What does mercy mean? Well, there's, it's, it's one of those words that is very, very difficult to get out because it has so much depth to it that it is not fully described in one word, but it takes multiple words to understand what mercy really means. Because the Old Testament was written in the Hebrew and because the New Testament was written in the Greek and because we read the Old Testament and New Testament in English, it's good to go back and look at the original meaning of the Hebrew and the Greek to understand what mercy means to us in English. In the Old Testament... It meant to have love or to have compassion. There was a disposition of mercy. And so for those that were downtrodden, for those that were rejected, for those that were on the fringes of society, mercy meant that you had compassion. You had a disposition to reach out and respond to somebody. It also means ransom when we talk about the mercy seat. And we talk about the priest going in and sprinkling blood on the mercy seat where God meets the priest and humanity. It's a type of ransom that God is providing something so that sin would not destroy. Hallelujah. And so there, there's multifacets to this word in the Hebrew. It also means goodness, or kindness, mercifulness. So goodness, kindness, compassion. In the New Testament, in the Greek, it means to have pity on or to show compassion or to have mercy. It suggests compassion. It suggests the idea of divine forbearance in showing compassion and passing over sins. So in the New Testament, it takes on an understanding that it's not just about a social thing of having compassion on somebody that is disenfranchised or marginalized. But it has to do with a divine understanding that judgment could be passed upon an individual or upon a nation or upon something. And yet God has compassion to pass over that. And that is what mercy is. You should experience judgment but because God has patience, He passes over judgment when it should happen now and He gives you a window, an opportunity to experience judgment at a later time and in that window, you can make things right. That's what mercy does. Mercy passes over. Praise God. Man, I feel like preaching here just for a moment. There have been moments in my life when judgment should have come down upon me but God's mercy said, I'll be patient with you. I'll give you opportunity. Judgment's not happening today. Therefore, get it right. This is what the meaning is of God's mercy to us. It is God's patience in action. God is acting patient. He is extending patience to those who deserve to be punished. Punished. Mercy is not something that God owes to us. By definition, mercy cannot be owed. But it is something that God extends in kindness and grace to those that do not Deserve it. I want to say something very emphatic right here. You don't deserve mercy. You deserve judgment. You're wrong. The sin you got involved in is wrong. You're human and your fallen nature is wrong. It is rooted in sin. You absolutely deserve the hammer of judgment. But because of God's mercy... I said because of God's mercy, he's patient with us, and he passes over. Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place here tonight. If it wasn't for mercy, where would I be? Where would you be? Judgment would already have been. Judgment would already have been pronounced and declared. But in the house of God tonight, praise God, there is a merciful God. Hallelujah. If you don't have things right tonight, you can get it right because of the mercy of God. If you failed, you can get up because of the mercy of God. You don't have to stay in that bondage. You don't have to stay in that sin. But because of God's mercy. If you're thankful for God's mercy, why don't you lift up your voice and thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy hallelujah your patience to us amen here's here's the point this is this is what's so amazing is that God extends to us kindness when we don't deserve it nobody here in this place says I did. I mean, this is the kind of world that we live in. I deserve this and I deserve that because we live in a world with a mentality of victimhood and they think everything should be handed to them. This is not the case when it comes to salvation. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is a sinner and we deserve judgment. So we are not owed anything. God, the creator of the heaven and the earth, owes us absolutely nothing because he is God. What do we have to give to God? We've got nothing to give to him. And yet God says, I know I created all things. I know I'm a sovereign God. I don't- I know I don't need anything, but I'm going to extend my mercy to people that don't deserve it. Praise God. I recognize I don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it, but I'm thankful I am covered in the mercy of God. Let his mercy cover me. Let his mercy roll over me. Let his mercy strengthen me. Praise God. And that that brings to us another challenge. What this means is God is holding off judgment of justice to a later time. Choosing not to bring justice immediately. When we see the holiness of God and the horror of sin. Mercy says I'm going to pass over the judgment and give opportunity for an individual to get things right. Some people see God as have wielding a hammer, and he's waiting. For, this, is, this is some people's distorted thinking, that he's some God out there. He's an absentee lands, landlord. He has no idea what we go through. He has no understanding of the human condition, and he's just waiting for us to mess up. And when we mess up, he is going to come down with judgment. That is incorrect. That is not biblical. Because every, 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 every time, judgment should come down with the hammer. Mercy says, hold on just a minute. Give an opportunity. Give a space. Have some patience for an individual that can get things right. That's what mercy does. There are times when the judgment of God comes, but it's not because mercy hasn't been involved. It's not because mercy hasn't shown up. It's not because mercy doesn't come running, because mercy does. Mercy shows up when you fail. Mercy comes running when you have difficulties. Mercy says you don't have to stay where you are in your sin and trespasses, but God, who is rich in mercy, he's got a richness. There's a depth. He's got it in the bank. He can pour it out to individuals who need mercy. Praise God. We need to be careful with how we judge because we should be judged. Judge not lest ye be judged. Jesus is not saying don't make righteous judgments there. He's saying be careful that you don't judge somebody when yourself is in need of judgment. That's what that means. That's like judging your brother trying to pick out the sliver when you got a big beam in your own eye. Hallelujah. We've we got to get this thing right. Judge not lest ye be. Judgment. Judgment. Judgment should be upon some of you here in the house of God tonight. And if that's offensive to you, let me say it this way. Judgment should be upon me right now in the house of God tonight. Praise God. But his mercy says, you know what, there's one more service. There's a message. Rich in mercy, for somebody to reach out and respond to people that feel like they're judged, and justice is coming. Mercy. When you think of this, this is shocking. This is shocking because it's it's, our—it's beyond our understanding. Not only do we have a patient God, but his mercy is incomprehensible. And the the cross is the place where mercy and grace and justice comes into the picture with clarity. Because he didn't deserve it, but he took it upon himself. It's incomprehensible how that God would manifest himself in the flesh in the life and personage of Jesus Christ and would take on your judgment. He took on him the sins of the world. Every rotten, vile, stinking sin that you could ever think of, Jesus took that upon himself at Calvary. And all of a sudden, Calvary reveals to us with shocking clarity how the mercy of God goes to the lengths that it does that Jesus would die for you and for me. I'm not looking for a bullock or a lamb or a turtle dove. I don't need that anymore because there was an ultimate lamb that was given and his name was Jesus. Hallelujah. It was a spotless lamb. He gave to us his very life, shed his very blood that washes and cleanses us. What does that all mean? That means the mercy of God was at work in the powerful experience of Calvary. Anybody thankful here in the house of God that there is blood that can cleanse there is blood that can wash hallelujah there is blood that covers every sin there is power through the work of Calvary it's incomprehensible this is where God's wrath and his mercy meet at the cross And this is where we can be transformed and made fit for an eternity. It's through the power of the cross. There's there's some interesting passages of scripture that reveal to us God's mercy. One of them that is very noted is in John chapter 8 where there is a woman that was taken in adultery. And they were, trying to, they, they were trying to trap Jesus. And so they, and, and the thing that really grates on me is they bring the woman and they leave the man out. How patriarchal. I know the New Testament was written in ancient times, and, but this is just so distasteful. They bring the woman out and they're going to pinpoint the problem with her. Where's the guy? They said she was caught in the very act. Where's he? This is about everybody. Sin covers everybody. You can't pick and choose that it's just the woman and it's not the man. It's the man and it's the woman. It's the Jew and the Greek. It's the male and the female. It is everybody that is in need of mercy. Oh, no, they, they were, they were going to shield that guy. And so they bring her. And they said to him, Master, this woman was caught, and the law commands us that she should be stoned. But what do you say? They were tempting him. They were trying to trap him. He stoops down, and he starts writing with his finger on the ground, and they're looking. It doesn't say what he wrote. Nobody knows. Everybody has conjectures. What did Jesus write in the sand? Some people said, well, he was writing some of their sins, and so they were embarrassed and ashamed, so they walked away. We really know, but whatever he wrote was something that was divine, that impacted them and challenged them to reassess what they were doing and recognize that they were in need themselves. So they dropped the stones and they walked away and Jesus stood up and said he that is without sin among you let him cast the first stone at her. He writes in the ground they were convicted, they left from the oldest to the youngest and Jesus is looking at the woman and he says to her, where are are your accusers, hath no man condemned thee. She said no man, Lord. And Jesus said neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. This is a perfect picture of mercy because judgment should have been upon the man and upon the woman for their sin. Judgment should have come down. But Jesus said wait a minute. Mercy is going to be employed. Mercy is going to form and shape some things. And he gave the woman an an opportunity to walk away and say, I met a man that gave me a window to make things right. Thank God every time we come to the house of God it's a window to make things right. Hallelujah. It doesn't take a whole lot but lifting up your hands and lifting up your voice and saying, God, I want judgment to begin in the house of God. I want to be right. I want to live right. I want my heart right. I want my mind right. I want to be right. I want your mercy to cover me (laughs) hallelujah why don't you lift your hands and just thank the Lord for his compassion thank the Lord for his kindness upon us hallelujah for passing over passing over judgment another example in scripture that's so very very powerful is the prodigal son huh And Jesus is given that parable. It's in the parable where he's talking about when one sinner comes home, heaven rejoices. And so he talks about the lost coin and he talks about all of that. And in there, he's he's having a dialogue with the Pharisees and he's talking to them. And mercy is is it's never mentioned or stated, but it is implied emphatically that the prodigal son that asks, asks for his inheritance, which is a disrespectful thing. And he takes his, his father gives it to him. He takes his money. He goes out and the Bible says he spends it in riotous living. Now, who, who knows what riotous living uh, entails or how that is defined? But it, it, it's riotous and there's, there's no telling what he got himself involved in, what addictions he got involved in. You know, you, you can blow a lot of money really fast. Somebody's been coming around, and they're trying to get their life straight and figured out. And it's and, and it's 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 a, it's a real struggle, it's a real struggle. And in three days, you you can blow you there you, you can just blow money. Somebody said, I don't understand how these people that are millionaires and billion how can they end up bankrupt? And I don't understand that doesn't how can they? I only make this amount of money, and how's the because everything goes up. Everything is elevated. All of a sudden, the toys are more expensive. The homes are more expensive. And now you've got this piece of property over there and that piece of property. And you've got cars. you got all this kind of stuff. And it can get away from you very, very fast. That's how it happens. And then, all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you get into coping mechanisms that cost a lot of money. And now you've got a pallet for things that are very, very expensive. And now you're spending money on on stuff, and and it goes very, very fast. And if you've got habits, it can go very, very quickly. And there will be people that that are like leeches. They latch on to your success and your money, and you you walk around with a posse, and everybody loves you. But when the money runs out, they're nowhere to be found. And he spent all of his money in riotous living and ended up feeding the pigs in a pig pen. And he got to realizing, you know what, where I am, this is terrible. In my father's house, even a servant has more than what I've got. And so he makes his way back to the father's house, thinking that somehow judgment is going to come. He's going to be stripped of titles and identity, but he recognizes it's better at the father's house than it is where I am and where I'm living. I just want to say right here, I believe it's better in the father's house than in the pig pen. you, you know what the devil does? He makes the pig pen look very attractive, huh? He markets it and makes the pig pen look like that's where all the fun is. No, it's still a pig pen. You can pretty it up and make it marketed, marketable to people, but it's still the pig pen. At some point in time, you're going to realize, I've been sold a bill of goods. It's better in the Father's house. We may not have all the marketing and all the tools, but guess what? We don't need it because there's power in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. There is mercy in the house of God. It's better in the Father's house. I said it's I said, it's better in the Father's house where there's worship. It's better in the Father's house where there's forgiveness. It's better in the Father's house where there's power. Anybody thankful that you're in the Father's house? Hallelujah. The church, the Father's house, the place where the Father is. So he says, I I, got to get back to the Father's house. And he makes way. And the scripture says that, and, and Brother McDonald so at, so preached some elements of this whole story that I'd never even heard of. The father girding himself or girding his clothes up and bearing himself to run to the son is not something that an elder that is very successful would even do. And then why would he do that? Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? This was so profound to me. I... I I just sat there slack jaw. I'd never heard this. Never heard that Eastern culture, you, 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 don't, you don't expose yourself because there, there's protocol. There's, there's, there's ways that you respond and act and, and, and what you're supposed to do. And yet here the father who, who is successful, revered in the community, revealed in the vill- village, with everybody else that knows that his son has taken the money and and he has spent it in riotous living, and no doubt would have been much of the conversation in that local area of how could this be, and gossip and conjecture and all this kind of stuff, and they see they see the father girding up his garments to run to the son. And then to understand why he did that. I'd never heard that either. The reason why he was doing that is so that he could get to the son because in the Old Testament law, a stubborn and rebellious son was to be stoned. And so the local area knew this is a stubborn and rebellious son. And so if the father doesn't get to the prodigal son in time, the community would stone him before he ever got to the father's house. And so the father is running to get to the prodigal son to protect him from the rest of the community. This is a picture of what God does. Hallelujah. Sometimes God says, you know what? I may be regal and royal, the king of kings and lord of lords, but if I have to debase myself to come down to the realm of humanity, I'll put myself in flesh and I'll come and reach out to a prodigal son and to a prodigal daughter. I'll go run to them to protect them from the enemy. I'll protect them from being stoned, killed, and destroyed because I love them. That's what mercy does. Mercy runs and protects you from judgment that is supposed to happen. Praise God. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for the mercy of God? Woo! Thank God, brother Brian. Don't let him run by himself. The mercy of God on his life. Judgment should have happened. Hallelujah. But God gave him a window to make things right in the house of God. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands until they all get back in here. Don't stop until they all get back in here. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God for his mercy. God. Praise God. Amen. Is everybody back in here? Yeah, okay. You would be seated. You, you got to keep it going until they get back in here because the minute you hit those doors and you hit the lobby, <laughs> you take off running in here and it's like, how? <sighs> and you hit the back door and you hit the lobby and it's like, what just happened? What just <laughs> What just happened? And then you come back in, then you feel kind of conspicuous. I don't even know why I ran out the door. When you get out there, you don't know what's going to happen when you're coming back in. So if we're still clapping when you come back in, we'll pick you up from what you feel like you hit when you hit the lobby. Praise Praise God. You know why Brother Bryant was running? Because this message is is reflected in his life. Judgment should have happened in his life. But mercy passed over and said, wait a minute, let's, let's give opportunity. And at some point in his life, he said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to live for God with everything that we've got. He hasn't missed a beat. If it wasn't for mercy, he and his wife and his daughter wouldn't be in the house of God, on fire, consistent, and faithful. He came some, but it was... It was He gave some, but it it wasn't consistent and it wasn't faithful. But you'll be hard-pressed to come to church and not see them in the house of God worshiping with everything that they've got. You, You know why? Because of the mercy of God. Judgment should have said no. You're out of here. It's over. We've given you time. Justice should have said that. But mercy. Mercy said no. No. Mercy said no. Another example of mercy is you. Praise God, turn to your neighbor and tell them you as he's talking to you. Somebody said, I'm an introvert. I don't like when preachers say, turn to your neighbor and say this. Why do they do that? It's dumb. The reason why is because did you feel that energy that people are talking? and they say, You are an example of God's rich in mercy. Praise God, Brother Lonnie, I, I'm so proud of what God's doing in your life. You're an example of mercy. You got that voice too when you say amen, everybody knows you're here. Right, see that, he's got that deep voice. Praise God, and, 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 and there are things in your life, you, you haven't been perfect, but thank God for God's mercy. My daughter-in-law had been coming for church here for a little bit. She'd never heard Lonnie's voice. She came to church, and Lonnie was here, and he said amen one morning. And after church, she said, who's the guy that said amen? I've never heard him before because his, his voice makes his presence known. I said, well, that's Brother Lonnie. She said, well, who's Brother Lonnie? I've never heard that before. I said, Brother Lonnie has had ups and downs, difficulties, struggles. But thank God he's been in the house of God, faithful and consistent. And, Brother Lonnie, I'm going to fight with everything I've got in you. Bre- Hallelujah. You and me together. Praise God. We're going to do this. Praise God for his mercy. Judgment could have said... we're 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 through we're we're finished you need to check out but mercy said don't give up brother lonnie don't give up don't give up keep coming to the house of god be in church trust god be faithful you're an example of god's rich mercy hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain Mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I come to the house of God, and I don't have to come with intimidation. Man, there's, these verses are so good. I don't have to come with intimidation. I don't care what your failure is. The Scripture said you don't have to come in intimidation. You come boldly, and you ask for mercy. Why? Because I need mercy. I know that what I'm in is a mess, and I should be judged right now. But mercy says let's delay that, let's pass over that, and let's give opportunity this is why it's not good to ignore mercy because at some point judgment is going to take place. You, you can't have mercy without judgment. And thank God there's judgment and we need mercy. But the judgment is coming. You can't have just mercy. This is one of the, this is one of the problems with our religious world because everybody wants mercy, mercy, mercy. Nobody wants judgment. They don't want commitment. They don't want any of that. They, they want to bypass that. That's not treating this discussion appropriately. Amen. Mercy is there for us to make things right. It gives us a window. God is patient with us, and it gives us a window to figure things out because sometimes we don't have it figured out. We're trying to figure it out. We're up and down. We're not always consistent, but mercy is operating, and it gives us a window to make things right in our life so that we can become true disciples of Jesus Christ. Praise! God. I want to hammer this point. Mercy passes over judgment and gives us opportunity because of its patience. And you are representative of that. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His rich mercy, his abundant mercy. It's available to us. God is not waiting just to judge us, but He is patient with us and He provides to us His mercy. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration is the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that God does. Renewing of the Holy Ghost is something that we do. And yet none of that could happen if it wasn't for the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that reaches out to us and responds to us as the musicians come in the house of God. tonight, the Scripture that we read in the beginning said, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin. God is merciful, and he also calls us to be merciful as well because of what he has done for us. There's examples of this in history that help us get an understanding of what mercy is so that we can understand how great Calvary and the cross is. One of these stories that I read was a black teenager shields a KKK member from violent protesters. I don't know what the religious persuasions of these two stories I'm going to tell you. Is but it encaptures encapsulates the disposition of mercy. In 1996, a Ku Klux Klan held a rally in the unlikely town of Ann Arbor, Michigan, where they found themselves opposed by an equal but opposite force of protesters. And although there was police and riot gear that were trying to do everything they could do to keep the two sides apart, one guy who got confused ended up strolling through the wrong side of the crowd, and it's unclear if he was there to join the march or if he was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time, but the chase was on, and mob mentality can be an ugly beast, and what began with simply chasing the man away soon transformed into a probably well-deserved but certainly illegal beatdown. And then in an act of unbelievable courage and mercy, a young lady by the name of Keisha Thomas, an 18-year-old black woman, threw herself on top of the man to protect him from the rampaging crowd. The protesters moved by the sight of Thomas putting her well-being on the line for the sake of a man that would just as soon spit on her in return, backed off. And she never saw the guy again. He probably never, ever changed and probably never appreciated what she did. Self sacrifice. But she did get a call from an individual that said, Hey, he said, You don't know me. He said, But I just want to thank you very, very much because it changed my mentality. He said, That was my dad. And I'm the son but I'm not gonna carry on the same generational hate that he's been carrying around and teaching for so many years. That's mercy, mercy, mercy. Following 9-11, Mark Anthony Stroman gave his head a fresh shave, loaded up his shotgun, and went out seeking revenge against anyone that was vaguely brownish, In skin color. He gunned down store clerks Wakur Hassan and Vasudev Patel, who ironically, neither one of them were Arab nor Muslim. Before turning to Bangladeshi American citizen Rais Buyan. Buoyan survived, but he lost sight in one eye and faced months of torturous recovery after Stroman blasted him right in the face. Buoyan not only forgave his attempted murder, but he sued the state of Texas to stay his execution. Buyan spent years petitioning Texas lawmakers to commute Stroman's death penalty sentence, even going so far as to found a nonprofit foundation to garner widespread public support for his campaign. While his pleas mostly fell upon deaf ears, they were received loud and clear by at least two people. Stroman himself, who would grow to admit that he had destroyed the lives of innocent people out of pure anger and stupidity. During the duo's lone telephone conversation, Stroman even told Buyan at one point that he loved him. Stroman was executed approximately one minute after Booyan's final appeal was denied. A guy that shot in the face and lost an eye tries to sue the state of Texas and utilizes his own resources to try to save a life because he didn't believe in the death penalty. That's the kind of mercy that God looks at us while we were yet sinners. Stop and think about the ramifications of those two stories, which are human We're talking about something that is salvation and that it's eternal. The ramifications go way, way, way up when we're talking about eternal judgment and we're talking about eternal heavenly direction when we're talking about spiritual things. God looked at us. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man. Some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He saves us from wrath and judgment through his mercy. As We stand together in the house of God here tonight. This is a theme that runs throughout Scripture. So powerful and so poignant and so pointed that the psalmist in Psalm 136, he goes through the litany of history and every time he ends the verse, he ends it with his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136, verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy Endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. You catching on? Help me out. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy Endureth forever To him that made great lights For his mercy Endureth forever The sun to rule by day For his mercy Endureth forever The moon and the stars to rule by night For his mercy Endureth forever To him that smote Egypt In their firstborn For his mercy Endureth forever And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and the host in the Red Sea. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endureth forever. Sihon king of the Amorites. For his mercy Endureth forever. Hang in there with me. And Og the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Almost finished. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. And how redeemed us from our enemies for his mercy endureth forever who giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endureth forever and the last one oh give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever how about we do that together let's give thanks Woo! praise God I don't deserve it, but thank God for your mercy. I should receive judgment, but thank God for your mercy. Is there anybody in the house of God tonight that would step out of your pew? Hallelujah. Walk to this front and lift your hands and say, God, I deserve judgment. I deserve justice. To me, beat it out to me. But mercy. Your mercy.